Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast, episode 965. This is my interview with Barry Habib. We're discussing his book, Money in the Streets. Enjoy. Barry, welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Lee. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, you too, mate. You've got an uh, incredible new book out, um, which is doing wonderful things on Amazon and probably yes. many other places, I'm sure, Money in the Streets. Um, a lot of practical takeouts in the book, by the looks of it. Um, and lots of advice for people um, to deal with with the journey of life, I suppose. And it, I, I assume it comes off um, a little bit of the back of your journey and what you've done and, and the lessons you've learned in life that are now practically available for everyone. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do now. So I've been very blessed. I grew up very, very poor. My parents were immigrants. And like so many immigrants that come to America, they hear that America is such a rich country, there's money in the streets, all you got to do is bend down and pick it up. Uh, but as my parents found out, it wasn't so easy. My mom worked in a sweatshop where they make dresses and very hard uh, labor. And my dad mm. had to humble himself, work at a hot dog stand. So it was very difficult for them, but they came to America. And as I kind of grew up and started to see that there truly are opportunities and things that you can take advantage of. and started to capitalize on that. And my dad died at a, when I was very young. And before my mom did pass away, I was able to tell her, I said, you know, mom, you were right. There really is money in the streets. And uh, all you have to do is be able to see it first, then pick it up and do good with it. Hmm. So some of the things that I've been able to do, Lee, uh, I had at an early age, a stereo business, believe it or not, selling stereo equipment out of the trunk of my car. but. That, At a very young age, did you say? Yeah. That oh. taught me a lot about human dynamics and relationships mm. and, and sticking to things. I took some of the money I made and started to invest in real estate in my early 20s and actually started to make some money out of it. And after a few years, um, I sat down with the person doing my mortgage one night and said, tell me about the mortgage business. And kind of on a whim, I got into the mortgage business. Now, it was uh, it was some tough sledding, but there are some principles that... Uh, that are very important. And, and one of them is, is being able to just communicate with others. Hmm. And I actually started knocking on people's doors, asking if they wanted a mortgage. In my third week in the business, I wrote 16 loans, which nobody had ever done, and grew to actually being the top originator in the United States of loans uh, two years that I was able to claim that title. And that's not just in a company, that's amongst all the mortgage professionals out there. Hmm. Uh, I had an idea to remove a point of friction, which is a, another theme in the book, is understanding how to see and remove points of friction. You know, Lee, if you were getting a mortgage and your mortgage professional were talking to you and the background rates are changing, so they quote you a rate, and then by the time they got back to their office, if that rate had gotten worse, now that mortgage professional has quite the dilemma. Do they go back to you and say, oh, I know I spent all this time trying to build your trust, and I told you the rate was 3%, but now suddenly it's changed to three and a quarter. That's not gonna look too good. Or do I go back to my company and said, hey, we got to do this for free to save my honor. That's not going to do so good. Or do I do the worst of things, which creates some very potentially big problems? Pray that the market comes back and and, and maybe be able to, to deliver that rate to you. Otherwise, you know, really wind up in some hot water. Hmm. Well, I decided to remove that point of friction by allowing that mortgage professional to do what they do and i would monitor the market for them and through technology alert them when the market was about to change so that they could then notify their customer in advance of that change preserve the rate and look like a hero 
instead of someone who wasn't doing a very good job. And that business blew up. Sold that business before the housing bubble because I didn't like the market and the way it was behaving. So it was very fortunate. What year was this? How long ago? Closed June 27th, 2009. Okay. So that was, that was a, a wonderful business. And then I started to do some other fun things. Now, I've been on TV for many years. I've been a professional speaker. I still do that for 29 years. I still do quite a bit of TV. But I have my show on CNBC for 13 years. Hmm. And someone... You know, back in the day, Lee, when I was maybe okay looking, somebody um, wanted to put me in a movie. And I was like, heck yeah, I'd like to have that opportunity. So believe it or not, I've actually been in nine Hollywood movies with speaking roles. Some have been pretty good. I actually made the trailer and won a great movie with an all-star cast called Barry Monday. And so from there, I met someone by the name of Chris Dorenzo who showed me the script for Rock of Ages. Hmm. And I fell in love with it. Lee, it's a good thing that I was not very... Uh, very wise on how difficult it is to put up a successful Broadway show and how risky it was. So it's a good thing that I was pretty ignorant because I might never have done it, but I believed in it with my heart. Put it off Broadway first. The show was an enormous success, was the only the second show in the history of off-Broadway to receive a movie deal, which as you know, Rock of Ages became a motion picture. But then we said, hey, look, you know, maybe we should take it on Broadway. Again, Lee, good thing I didn't know too much about how risky it was because... 95% of Broadway shows lose all their money. But I believed in it, put it on Broadway. And you know, funny story, before we opened, the theater owners, the Needlelanders, were looking for another show because they didn't think we'd last six weeks. Well, mm. we ran more than six years. We were the 27th longest running show in the history of Broadway. And we had shows in Australia, in Toronto, in uh, the UK, touring the US, one in Vegas, one in Korea. So it became a worldwide phenomenon, and I was very blessed to, uh, yeah, to wow. put that together. I've also produced uh, Chris Angel's show in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, because I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, a medical imaging business, which was another point of friction. Oh, one quick thing on Rock of Ages, Lee. So Rock of Ages really, I think, was boosted by this because I would watch people come to the show, and this was on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And when people would come in, they would sometimes arrive late. It's in New York City. They would be well-dressed, and then they try and get an adult beverage. They want to get a cocktail. Well, those cocktails aren't cheap. There may have been a bit of a line, but by the time they received their cocktail, many of them couldn't even finish it because the show was about to begin. They didn't want to miss it, and they couldn't bring their drink to the seats. Yeah, I would watch this over and over, and it was a point of friction that I wanted to alleviate. So I said, why can't we just let people drink in the seats? And the theater owner said, no, we've never done that on Broadway. Well, that's not a good enough answer for me. So it took me a long time. But I became the first show in the history of Broadway to allow drinking in the seats. It really boosted the show's fun and appeal. And now all the shows do it. Yeah, so then yeah. medical imaging I jumped into because I saw another point of friction. I hope no one ever has to go for a scan or anything like that because something's wrong. But if you've had to have this experience, you know that the tech sees what's going on. They know what's going on, but they can't communicate that to you. You have to wait for your physician. And that could take perhaps several days. Yeah. Now, your own brain and your own anxiety plays at this, and you're worried, you're anxious, you're upset. So why should people have to go through this? So I put a radiologist right there. By the time you got dressed from your scan, you sat in a room, radiologist, if it was great news, you walked out of there feeling happy. But if it wasn't the best of news, at least you had a plan. And that's what people want. So always about alleviating points of friction. And then when I created MBS Highway, I realized that people really needed to understand the opportunity in the real estate market because the media got it wrong. 
people didn't know how to calculate the opportunities there. I won the Crystal Ball Award twice from Zillow and Pulsonomics for being the most accurate real estate forecaster in the United States. Nobody's ever won it twice. Hmm. But when I put together MBS Highway, that grew into a, an enormously successful business with 27,000 paying subscribers. And you know, so I've been very, very lucky and very blessed. And there's been some other things along the way that I've done that have been pretty cool, pretty fun to be able to do. So I consider myself to be very fortunate and very grateful for these opportunities. And then writing the book, uh, Money in the Streets, talks about a little bit about that journey. But again, it's not about me. It's through me. It helps people to realize opportunities, to act mm. upon, to game plan for them, and, and to do little things that can really be life-changing. Yeah. Lots to, um, lots to probably delve into. And I, I won't <laughs> try and uh, complicate it by going every which direction. But certainly what a fascinating journey going from brokerage to, to writing Broadway and the success you've had there. Um, fantastic. I'm... Uh, can relate in some respects. I'm in the real estate industry myself, so I've got some um, some passions there that uh, align. I, I can tell you've got a lot of energy, um, and, and I think that that must have some level of impact in in your success in life. Have you always had this level of this this energy and passion? <coughs> well, you know, <coughs> pardon me. That's a decision that you make. Hmm. You can either be upset about things that you don't have or appreciative and grateful for the things you do have. So I begin each day with gratitude. I literally say out loud all the things I'm grateful for because it helps keep me focused. Eventually something during the day will upset you and we're human beings. Be upset. It's okay. But try and stop that within two minutes hmm. because you don't want to steal your own joy. This is your life. You don't want to spend it unhappy. Yeah. And then don't let it steal the joy that you could bring others because the way that you are acting will definitely have a ripple effect to others around you. And one of the things we all want to be is we want to be magnetic. And here's the secret to being magnetic, and this is in the book. You really want to simply, every time you come into contact with someone, make them feel better and make them feel smarter. And they will naturally be drawn to that. But you know, you can't give what you don't have. So energy, yeah, you can create your own energy. And it's what's interesting about energy that you have in you is that the more you create, the more you seem to have. This is, it's, it's an incredible generator that you have inside of you. And the other thing that I found that is a common thread amongst successful people is optimism. Yeah. And this is something you could teach yourself and you could focus on, but an optimistic outlook is critical. Look, mindset is everything, Lee. I'm mm. not, your mindset is everything. I started off extraordinarily poor with a lot of hard knocks. My dad passed away when I was young. We were, kids used to make fun of me because of the clothes that I had and you know, we, we had five people in a one-bedroom apartment. I'm sorry, two-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. You could guess who had to wait last for the bathroom. I was the youngest one. <clears throat> my mom was 40 when I was born. My dad was 57. So back then, that was kind of tough. It was something that maybe I wasn't dealt a great hand, but like everybody who's listening, just because you might not be in a place you want to be doesn't mean you have to stay there. And that is a choice that you totally have control over. Hmm. It sounds like, because um, you were the youngest of five then, is, is that right? Yes, sir. And you've always carried this level of optimism. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, I know as as well as the next that we do have these knocks in, in life, in daily life, where we have something that's just not right happen and it upsets us. And I love the idea about, you know, getting over it, trying to move on quickly and putting yourself rather into that that's happened and done into into moving forward. Um, and I certainly think that's paramount. Now, what, what practical 
advice can you give there? And I certainly love the one about getting up and, and sharing your gratitudes. Is that something that you, you know, immediately jump out of bed and stand in front of a mirror and just say what you're grateful for? Or how does that work for you? No, no, Lee, I'm a little bit of a slow starter in the morning, so I need a little coffee first. All right. <laughs> so it's usually just towards the tail end of having some coffee uh, or if I'm in the shower and I've got some peaceful time right there, uh, that's when I'll kind of just go through and, uh, you know, and, and I'm also a spiritual person. So I, I begin every day with prayer, I'm proud to say. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to to... Uh, to have grace, it just seems to me that the more grace you have, the more you get. Um, so those are things I just do every morning. That's just part of who I am, part of what I do mm. uh, every single day. And I find that it it helps my mindset tremendously. And and my again, mindset is everything. It's it's you know you will find what you look for. Yeah. So if if you if you're in a room and you look around the room and you know I, I said to you uh, after you looked around, okay, how many items did you see that were brown? Uh, you probably would you know, recall maybe something or if anything at all. But if I said, okay, like look for brown, how many, how many would you see? You'd see a multitude of how many things are brown. You will find what you're looking for. Yeah. And if you have an optimistic outlook and if you teach yourself to you know, stay on offense, that's the thing too. Most of us play defense all day. If you think about a baseball team, the baseball team can only score when it's on offense. So what are you doing every day to map out your goals and map out your plan and your plan yeah. and goals like I do right here? I've got you know my to-do list with things because every day I need to set the agenda. Of course, I have to play defense. Of course, I have to handle things as they come and address issues as they happen when it's going to happen. But I always want to be driving forward and doing yeah. the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm going to be happy. Yeah. And so notice... I chose the word happy there because that's what we want. Ultimately, we want to be happy. 100%. Now, if being successful is part of that, then success comes with being happy. But there's a lot of very financially successful people or achievement successful people that are unhappy. And I believe because they miss the fulfillment portion late. You have to have goals. You want to hit those goals. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be financially successful. It's a lot easier in life. Trust me, from somebody who was dirt poor, having a little money helps but it also allows you to do good for other people. And that's the magic component, is when you do things that help others, you gain fulfillment. And when you have success goals, achievement goals with fulfillment, that's when you become a very happy person. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, very aligned with the book I've written, which is The Ultimate Life Map, and, and that's what it is, fulfillment. And I also say freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. And that's um, just what I've taken away of what I'm striving for, and I think it relates to a lot of people. Um, the morning routine for you, so getting up, doing your prayer, having your coffee, um, you know, saying what you're grateful for are very important things. Is there anything else in there that perhaps we're missing that you think is, is certainly something that you do ritually? Well, yeah, I try and get it done. You know, I, I do not procrastinate. See, even when I was a kid, I would think about this, and, and because I, I was cognizant of things, if it was Friday and a lot of kids would wait till Sunday night to do their homework, right? Mm. Well, if I did that, I had spent Friday and Saturday and a lot of the day on Sunday with that on my shoulders Yeah, because I knew I had to get it done. <clears throat> but if I sacrificed a little bit of time early on Friday, then what it did was it made the entire weekend much more enjoyable. I was happier. Get that so way. If, if we get things done two things happen. One, we are definitely happier. We're more free. We're more lively. We're free spirited. But the other is it allows you bandwidth. You know, you have to remember, just like a, 
just like when you're trying to get a, an, an internet connection and there's you know a lot of taxes on that bandwidth by others utilizing it, it slows down your speed. Well, the mental bandwidth, when you don't have to carry things, which is why I write so much stuff down because it frees up your mental bandwidth, allows you to do something that we all have, but we don't spend enough time cultivating hmm. creativity. Yeah. The free, when you have mental freedom, that gives you the ability to be creative. And when you're creative, this is when real magic starts to happen. This is when you could be creative in your relationship with your significant other to regenerate that spark. This is when you could be creative in doing things for your children that make it an amazing bond with them. This is how you can do it in your business. This is how you could think of things to make yourself happier and do fun things. It's, it's, it's amazing how simple it is when you think about it, but how few people actually do that. Mm, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and by the way, Lee, you got to do it either way. Yeah. So might as well do it at a time that's going to result in making you happier than waiting and carrying that on your shoulders and diminishing the other things that you do and then still having to do it. Yeah. How do you, because um, I'm guessing, like your list there, and I, I'm a big advocate of that too. I sit down and I go, okay, well, these are the things for the week. And each day, then I sort of write down the things that I want to focus on. And then that day that are aligned for those weekly goals. Um, and it is, it's it's phenomenally um, changing because it's just, it's it's focusing my attention on what I need to do. And that seems to focus that mindset as well. Um, and like you said before, which I think is great, it's going to go on my board for the day. Uh, you will find what you look for. And I think that, you know, just it, it, it puts your attention in the right direction as where you want to go in life. Aligning those those core values that you have, those goals with what you're actually doing. Uh, it sounds you, you've you got a high level of integrity there and you, and you, you do what you say you're going to do um, internally, not just externally, but internally. Is that sound about right? So right. Integrity is so important, my friend. You know, integrity is doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, not just to others, but to yourself. Hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned focus and I'll, I'll share with you a part of the book on focus. That's yeah, that I, I like. So, so I've been blessed and fortunate enough that I've done OK and I've been able to kind of do some fun things, including you know, driving some nice cars on the racetrack, which I really enjoy. But like everything else, I like to be good at what I do. So I'm a lifelong learner. I, I, I do have the, the I'm, I'm blessed that I'm able to teach. And by the way, that's the best way to learn is by teaching. Yeah. Um, but so as a professional speaker, you know, you have to know your stuff. So I'm a lifelong learner and driving is no exception. So I would spend lots of time. I have spent lots of time and I still do with professional drivers that when we go around the track, they're observing me, they're making uh, suggestions, they're correcting me, they're giving me advice. And it's helping to make me better. But one particular lesson, the driving instructor said to me, he said, Barry, I noticed you do something that so many drivers do, the vast, vast majority, well over 90%, they focus their eyes on the car in front of them. And I, I really didn't know that. I said, well, really? I said, I, I guess. He says, yeah, just about everybody does that. He said, but you really should be focusing much further down the road. And I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn here. And he said, come, pull the car over. He maybe pull the car over and took my bottle of water. And he said, okay, Barry, put the bottle of water down and step back about seven or eight steps. So I was about 20 feet behind the bottle of water. And then he made me look at the bottle of water. And he says, now, while you're looking at the bottle of water, can you read that sign down the road? And I said, no. He says, now look at the sign. Can you see the bottle of water? And I said, yes. He said, you see, focus is critical. If you focus further down the road, you'll still see that car in front of you 
but now you will see bad things that are about to happen before the reaction time gets shorter. You'll be able to react. And for speed purposes, you'll be able to position yourself better for the next turn or the next move that you need to make because you're looking further down the road. And I said, wow, what a great lesson for driving. Mm. But if you use this lesson in life, how much more successful will we all be? And we are, we are mostly focused on something that's right in front of us instead of big picture, big dreams, big goals. We'll still take care of this, but look further down the road, dream bigger, anticipate more things that can happen, see it develop in your mind's eye, and you can't help but be more successful. Mm. Yeah, I like that story. Like that story. Well, said. well said. The, um, the uh, so I've just got some feedback there. Have you got the, the headphones in there, Barry? No, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. I can just hear myself in the background coming through there now as well. Oh, no, I don't have anything going on here. I'll lower That's my right. volume. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I, was just, maybe, I, sp maybe I spoke too loud. Is that better? I lowered my volume. That, that sounds good. I was, um, yeah, so looking at that focus piece, I mean, having those longer term goals as well as those sort of weekly or day to day goals, um, what, what advice can you give there about goal setting? It's absolutely critical. Um, goal setting is done by starting with the end. Yeah. But then, you know, how far, how far forward do you look? Well, it really depends on what the particular goal is. It's, yeah. I think it's less time sensitive, although that's important and more object sensitive. Is it a financial goal? Is it a love interest goal? Is it a, a planning goal? Is it a goal to buy a home, to buy a car, to start a business, to reach a certain point in your business? So all of these things are important. And of course you should assign an, a hopeful time frame. but what you do is you just treat it as if you would treat a destination in a GPS. When, when you get in your car, if you don't know where you're going, you don't just start driving, right? But that's how a lot of people go through life. It'll be a nice drive, but you're not going to get anywhere meaningful yeah. unless you're lucky. But if you got in your car and you plugged in your destination, now what happens is a route is mapped out for you. And that route is going to have several turns. Treat your life like that or your goals like that, where here's my destination. Now, in order to get there, it's not going to be a straight line. I have to do this first, then this first, then this first, then this first, just like a GPS in the car. So if you focus on the interim steps and try and achieve each interim step and take this goal on in bite-sized pieces, you're definitely going to achieve your goals. Hmm. The problem is, first of all, most people don't put the destination in. And then when they do, they don't put the interim steps necessary and they're just shooting for a goal without a plan for how to get to point A, B, C, D, E, and whatever that needs to happen in order to get to your goal. Yeah. So it's very important on goal setting to do it right and map it out right and then reverse engineer it back to where you are now and then monitor it every day and measure it. Yeah, absolutely. So you have those long-term goals and then the dreams, etc. Um, but don't just have those. Have the steps to get there as well or vice versa. Don't just have the steps in daily life and, and expect to get somewhere without knowing what you're, what you're going towards. Makes perfect sense. Um, and I guess it's, it's putting that into practice. Do you... Uh, do you have a vision board or do you, do you, you know, visualize these, these goals of yours, these sort of longer term goals? Um, obviously the steps there, you're writing down every day of what you need to do. So people do have vision boards that they, that they utilize. I have not done that. And, and I, and I think it certainly can't hurt, but I've always been able to envision it in my mind. And then I'm good at putting things down on paper and writing them down and the act of writing them down and, 
you know, repeating them. And then my interim steps, I monitor, you know, on your to-do list, you know, yeah. how do we get to that goal? What are we doing every day to make sure we're achieving those things? So I'm pretty focused that way. So I haven't had to go to a vision board. I'm able to kind of just put it in my mind and, and keep it there and just think about it as well. So, um, so because a vision board can be great initially, but you know, things do change. So you'd have to kind of come up with a whole different vision board. It's a lot easier to make those changes in your mind and see it happening because you may come up to an intersection and you know things will things will change and uh, you have to you have to alternate you have to uh, you have to call an audible here you have to do something yeah. that uh, gets you to your goal. Look, the way our the way our body is designed, if you cut yourself, your bloodstream finds ways for the blood to get around that. Okay, some people you know can can relate to that certainly that. Your, your your body is very very smart. It will design ways or nerves. It'll it'll so you already have that innate ability to do this, right? You just got to get your mind to do it. So many people come up against an obstacle and they just okay. You have to be able to push through those obstacles. Maybe not by bullying through it. Sometimes that could work where you break the door down, but most of the time, what you might have to do is pivot in a way that gets you to the same destination with a different pathway. Hmm. I, I think that if we were to just look and focus on trying to do that instead of either giving up or trying to, to bull forward, you will find that there are so many things you can achieve um, that will surprise you. Yeah. Well, going back to your story about focus before too, if you come up against an obstacle, rather than just focusing, focusing on that obstacle in front of you, look beyond that, again, at what your goal is, and then that might highlight to you the opportunity around that, that particular obstacle. Yeah, you know, you know, Lee, and people sometimes are afraid of a little bit of resistance. Don't be, you know, and they'll take the path that avoids resistance. Hmm. Again, let's go back to the GPS. If you said that, you know, you only wanted to take smooth routes, you may not get to your destination if you just tried to take routes that avoid traffic. Sometimes you're going to have to sit through. You want to try and go around it as best as possible, but don't just pick smooth routes for the purpose of just driving. Focus on your destination and then find the smoothest routes, which may include some some congestion along the way at times. Some resistance along the way. You talked about friction at the start, and it seems like I mean you you've you're quite um you've got a good sense of, of observing things and, and perhaps that's played a big part in your life and maybe just because of your upbringing, I'm not sure, but certainly seeing where the friction lies in, in certain aspects of life, like where you've seen it, like with the scanning, for example, seeing the friction there. Um, it sounds like you've you've seen you've identified you're very good at identifying problems, and then coming up with solutions for those problems. Would that sound correct? Yeah, we we all have this ability because yeah. we all point out problems. The the thing that we also have the ability to do, but sometimes don't think it out thoroughly, hmm. is is there a better way, and how could that better way work? And so here's where you also need a little humility, because something might be an obvious fix to you, but it may not be something that when you really go in depth and think it out, there may be other restrictions or other obstacles that have been tried before or that have been thought out. So here's where you just have to have some humility and really think it through. And this is where, if you are going to try and put something together, research, conversations, learning, so that you can really find ways to make an improvement, not by just saying so or just by complaining, but actually figuring something out that can be achieved in a way that's better than the previous way. Mm, yeah. 
it's really analyzing it. Is there any anything, any practices you have to analyze certain um, contentions or, or problems that that you face? Of, like, of course, yeah, yeah. It, it truly it truly depends on whatever the what issue is. is. But yeah. but here's the thing too: is that do we take the time to think? I mean, do are we making appointments for just some free time just for thinking on how to make something better? Because a lot of times we'll have a problem, but we don't dedicate time to think about how to improve upon it. The more time you have to think about something, the better your chances of resolving it are. And then are you doing the research on it? Are you speaking to others who might be able to help you who have been there before? We oftentimes have a problem, we come up against it and we kind of, you know, we, we, we maybe learn to live with it, but you don't have to. Hmm. There are ways for you to get beyond it if you put in some research, if you put in some thought, if you were to have a better and deeper understanding of it, and be willing to sometimes do a lot of hard work too to get there, but you'll be able to get there. And then, man, you talk about achievement and fulfillment at the same time. Yeah, that's uh, it's a pretty damn yeah. good feeling. So the reflection time, and and this is something that that um, often occupies my thoughts. Is you know we're, we're constantly in go mode, and I'm one of those people that just like to be busy, um, and that might be a, an issue um, deeper within that I don't identify with. But I just love being busy. That's and and my mum's the same. You know, we're always doing things. Um, and I really like that, but at the same time, I know that there's a balance to it where you have to spend some time in reflection and to really just sit and think and 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 look at those bigger picture things and look at where you're going and look at what you've done and just I guess analyzing life uh, more broadly like that. Do you put that time into your day? Like, how does that work for you? Oh, almost every day. Yeah, yeah almost every day. You you need a little bit of reflection time, and even if it's 15 minutes, but you need time to really to contemplate, you know, what's going right and how can I make that better and how can I duplicate that? Or if there's something that I really need to improve upon and make it right, maybe it's maybe it's the way I handle the situation. I'm not too happy about it the way I did. I, I think I could have done better, you know. Mm. How do I make that right? Maybe it's maybe it's an apology that I owe that I now that I've thought about it, let me repair that relationship and do the right thing and and be a little bit humble and 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 fix that. Maybe it's you know, I'm having this repeated problem. What can I do differently to fix that? And, you know, sometimes we go outside for that help, but a lot of times the answers can be more easily accessed inside if we mm. just allowed ourselves a little bit of time to think. You know, and you mentioned busy. Busy is great, but let's remember that are we busy working in our business or on our business? And so many times people get very busy that they forget to work on their business. It's that focus, it's adjusting where our eyes are instead of looking at the car in front of us or the business that we're working in and adjusting down the road to the business that we have been working on that. Hmm. You know, a great example of that is back in 1955 in San Bernardino, California, there was a great burger shop. It was so busy and the owners were busy. It was packed. But if they were too busy, then they would have been too busy to create wealth. So what they decided to do was, hey, we've got something really good here. Yes, we want to remain busy but let's work on our business. And that burger shop was McDonald's. Hmm. Now, if they didn't work on their business, they probably, that burger shop would still be a great burger shop today, but it wouldn't be the empire that it has become. Hmm. See, by adjusting focus and working on their business, they were able to create something beyond their wildest dreams. And I think everybody listening has that ability to do, hmm. just adjust your focus. And if you are blessed with being very busy, Think about what that means. It probably means things are good, right? It means that if your business is very busy, it probably means that this is a good time for you, which means that you have now some resources that might allow you to grow that business in ways that can have you 
add staff or add systems or really develop the best resource we all have is our brain. Continue to learn and educate yourself. That's the best thing that you could do. That's the best investment that people can make. And it's the one that so many neglect is yeah. developing their skills mentally. Yeah. Lifelong learner. Yeah. How much, I mean, do you, do you spend, uh, you know, do you schedule out an hour or half an hour in the morning to, to really plan your day? Well, every, like, what does that every look morning like? is a lot of, yeah, yeah. Every, every morning is a lot of reading because of what I do, especially I have to. Remember, you can't give what you don't have. So if I'm going to give people financial advice and market advice and the real estate advice and mortgage advice, I need to understand all of those things that happen. Yeah. If I want to be a, someone that's respected when I go on air or as a professional speaker in front of an audience, I better have something to deliver. Uh, being a nice person only goes so far in that regard, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, what I have to do is every day I spend a lot of time consuming knowledge in the morning. But I do that throughout the day from time to time as something comes up. I don't just say, well, I'm limited to in the morning. But here's the thing is that a lot of people can be very smart and they consume a lot of information and knowledge. But when you consume it, be mindful of not just, oh, this is interesting, but how can I utilize this to help others? How can I utilize this to make a difference for them? And don't just take it and parrot it. Take it, own it, reflect upon it, and then piece things together. You have to take a step back. You can't just read stuff. You have to read and step back and piece together how this all comes together. Talk mm. about it with others. Because again, by teaching, that's when you really start to develop an understanding and learn. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, one one thing that's come up um, a lot in the conversation is is the, the ability to communicate and and communicate with others. Um, you, you sort of touched on before about thinking about things and then talking to others about it too. And I think that's something that's very powerful that um, perhaps a lot of people don't tap into. But there's so many people around us every day that we could talk to and ask them questions about our businesses and their opinions and their reflections to gather more knowledge and understanding of of our business and how it operates in the community. I think that's really powerful. What advice do you have around that communication piece? I know so, it's very broad. But... Some, some people think it's cool not to be on the phone. They think it's, you know, talking to people. There's no, you, you can't text and expect it to make up for a phone call. And mm. just like a phone call can't make up for a Zoom call. And just like a Zoom call can't make up for an in-person. These are tools that you could use. But we, we need to be able to, to really empathize with another party or understand their emotions and feelings. And that stuff just doesn't come through on email and text. It can be effective for what it's effective for. But when it comes to building relationships and building skills, you know, think about the skills that you develop just by being able to listen to the tone in someone's voice, the, the pause, the sigh, the hesitancy that can come through in a text. And then when you can see somebody physically with their mannerisms, these are all important things that help us learn. And the more that we learn interpersonal relationships, the happier we're going to be and in business and in relationships, much more effective because mm. we understand we can be better communicators like that because we can see if he or she isn't thrilled with it. They may be saying yes. And maybe on a text it says yes or an email it says yes. But maybe if we were training ourselves enough to listen carefully, there could be something in our voice that says they're not really agreeing with it, but they're, they're, they're just saying yes. That could be important in a business relationship too because people could change their minds later. They're not really, people hate confrontation. So a lot of folks will tell you yes, and then they won't pull through. 
it comes through a lot better if you have that communication with them in a way that allows you to sense the emotion of what that person is 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 experiencing. Hmm. Yeah. You you say you said earlier on being magnetic and, and making people feel good and, and feel smart. What lessons have you learned there around how to make people feel good and smart? Like when you when you're speaking. So we have to be careful because unwanted. I've also learned that unwanted advice is often resented. Right? Just mm. ask any teenager. So you want to plant the seed when the ground is fertile, and there are things that you could do, and, and it really starts with listening. So you ask questions and you listen and you find out what's important and what's meaningful and where the pain points are, so that you can alleviate those points of friction. And after you do, you know, then you perhaps have earned the right to say it's a technique that I use called the BH technique: B for because and H for here. So because you said this, here's something that has helped me or here's something you might want to consider. So mm. you are offering advice, but that advice is now going to be much more well-received due to the fact that you're underscoring what they told you was their concern. So this is something that really makes a much better connection to the individual that you're speaking with or communicating with because you're using this type of a communication skill. and. And certainly when it comes to uh, communicating with someone and, and being able to empathize with them uh, and offering that advice can help them feel smarter, mm -hmm. can help them feel good. But you had to have gone through either experiences or knowledge or learning that you put the time in. And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to be kind to others, too. That will make them feel good. You know, we can notice something about someone and it's not just kissing up to them. It's being genuine. How many times do people see something nice in someone else and they don't take a second to just point it out? We all love hearing nice things that we know are genuine. You know, look, if, if I were grossly overweight and if somebody says, wow, you look super thin, that's BS, okay? But <laughs> per, perhaps if something looked good or if I had lost a few pounds, maybe that, hey, that you, you, you definitely look like you're losing some weight. That looks nice on you or whatever. These are nice things that can be said that are genuine to make that other person feel good. Hmm. We all like that. I and mean, let's face it, we all do. We could say, ah, oh, yeah, who doesn't like that? If it's genuine. Yeah, if it's genuine. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing, because like, <laughs> you don't want to be not genuine when you're giving those, uh, those nice compliments. Mate, lots, lots, to, um, lots to touch on. I just want to wrap it up. Um, and one question I've got to ask you, real estate uh, industry right now, yeah, uh, it's going gangbusters. Um, a lot of the property where you are too, I'm sure. What's your prediction of, of real estate moving forward this year? So, real estate in the U.S. We're talking. Yeah, yeah. Real estate in the U.S. is going to remain extremely strong. We're seeing six to seven percent levels of appreciation, affordability. Don't listen to the media; they don't understand the math behind it. It's getting more affordable, not less affordable. We don't see rates moving out of control either. There is just too much demand, not enough supply. That's not going to change. The demographics over the next three years are going to see an explosion in first-time home buyer, and that's because you look at birth rates from 33 years ago, which is the median age of a first-time home buyer. If you look at what happened in 1988, 89, 90, 91, births had this explosion in, in the level of births, which means over the next three to four years, the amount of first-time home buyers, 33-year-olds coming to the marketplace, is going to be quite impressive and in an already low inventory environment, the laws of supply and demand will continue to take over and you will see prices be very well supported by this. Hmm. So at the present time, while people might say, well, prices have gone up, they're going to go up more. This is a really good time 
to make sure that you are uh, taking part in this if you're able to. Okay. So you think for this year, at least, um, we're looking... I think for the next several years. Next several years. Wow. Okay. So, and then the low inventory stock there, um, you think that's going to continue as well? There's still going to be a shortage and, and too much demand? Yeah, builders can't keep up to the present levels. Uh, we have 1.07 million units for sale. Um, to put it into context, during the housing bubble, there were 3.4 million units for sales, 1.07 million units for sale right now. And our population has increased. There are 8 million more households, uh, all dealing with much, much less uh levels of inventory to deal with that's not going to be made up anytime soon another thing too is inventories are direct i'm sorry vacancies are at a record low and why is that important because when vacancies are high people have carrying costs on a home that's hey, i'll dump it you know just to stop the carrying cost but with record low vacancies people don't have the desire to dump their home they don't have the need to dump their home at a lower price so prices are being supported you're going to see continued strength and appreciation and remember if you took a 6% rate of appreciation, if you put 10% on that home as a down payment, you made 60, 60% return on your investment. Most people don't know that, but this is a great way to accumulate wealth. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a topic you delve into too much, but how do you see this affecting um, those in the industry, um, real estate sales agents, mortgage brokers, et cetera, and how things might change moving forward over the next several years? Kind of like the best of times and the worst of times. The best of times because the market's hot, but it's the worst of times because now more than ever, they're in jeopardy of going by the way of the stock broker who now has become financial advisors. They got decimated due to technology. And think about travel agents. You remember when travel agents were everywhere on every corner? Hmm. And today, what's a travel? If you talk to a millennial and you say, do you have a travel agent? You should mean, they say, do you mean the thing on my phone, the app on my phone? There's really almost no more travel agents out there. Why? Because they didn't adapt and they didn't understand that there's an enormous difference between being a salesperson and an advisor. If you're in the mortgage space or the real estate space, you are under attack. And now with all these companies going public with large coffers of money, they want to turn it into a commodity. And those who don't transition from just being a salesperson and transition it into an advisor and not just a BS advisor because you put it on your name tag. Do you really understand how to analyze the current market conditions, how to forecast whether or not it pays to pay more for this home. Do you know the appreciation levels for every zip code? Do you have a social media presence that's powerful? Are you scripted well? These are all things that are absolutely critical because right now the ride is great, but what's happening behind the scenes is there is a sea change that's about to take place and real estate agents who don't heed this advice and mortgage professionals who don't will find themselves in the same position as the travel agents of yesterday who are no longer doing that job. Mm, interesting. Uh, lots of exciting times ahead and um, lots to take on. Mate, you've got um, a knowledge of wealth there, a wealth of knowledge, I should say. And, um, mate, we could we could talk uh, for hours, I'm sure. I really appreciate you coming on, Harry, uh, Barry. And, um, yeah, thanks for your time so much. Thank you. It's a privilege. How can people best reach you, actually? Barry at barryhabib.com is my email or I'm all over social media too. I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. All right. Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on, guys. For listening, tune in, and until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. 
Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwire.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon